Now, chapter 5 is going to talk about something else that he had reported that was among them in the among the Corinthians, which is a very serious issue. Chapter 5, verse 1, let's read. It, says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. What's what talking about? This people that came and told Apostle Paul were telling Apostle Paul about all those things that was going on. So he said, somebody has reported to Apostle Paul that in the midst of the Corinthians, there was fornication. A particular man that was among them was sleeping with his father's other wife. That's what he means, his father's wife. He said, people don't even do that among the unbelievers. And if somebody is doing that among you, you don't send him out of your midst. That's what he's addressing. He said that one should have his father's wife. Of course, not not the mother of that man. But most of the men, and that they grow older, they marry a younger a younger woman. The, the older woman, the older wife may still be there in the polygamous family, but they marry a younger one, and so on and so forth. That was going on in that year. Up to now, it's still happening in many generations, in many societies, in many. In many, in many places where they have different religions, where the man that is now in his 50s and 60s, because the women are now old, he married a younger woman that's in, in the 20s. And that's why he's saying that the day, because of the earlier marriage, they could have, they could have already have adult sons. And that adult son is what he what was reported that he was sleeping with his father's younger wife. That's why he said that means he's not respecting his father. No? And that's one of the things that the apostle. Uh, Moses wrote in the, in the letters of Moses, where he said, "It is, it is uncovering your father's nakedness when you, when you do that to your father's wife, otherwise, you are uncovering your father's nakedness." He said that's an abomination to God, and that's what Apostle Paul said. He heard that it's going on among their midst. That one man was doing that, and he's still claiming to be a believer. It's not judging the father when multi-polygamous father does. They are that they are alive. Unbelievers have that life all along. They say the one that say he has come to Christ should be pure and only. How much more to go and be this to be disrespecting his father, to be sleeping with his father's wife. So that's why he was saying this is fornication among you guys. Verse 2. He said, And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. If you say he's a believer, has he really been born again? Now we always question that. If somebody is doing some blatant sin like that, then that fellow really give his life to Christ and has been changed for me within that you say born again experience. Or he just joined the church. Because many people just join because they like this group of people, it's like a club to them. A club, a social club. And they go to church every Sunday, go to their Bible study, but what's coming from one here, going out from another year won't do you any good. If you are really born again, you'll be searching what is acceptable to God from the scripture. And then, of course, if they correct you and you didn't know about it, they correct you, you better repent and really get your hand off it. God will forgive you. So that's he's going to address that's what he's addressing it. Because brethren, you see in the next few chapters that this fellow that uh, that he was reporting, they were reporting about as he was talking about, repented. And he said that you welcome him back if he has repented. Because people sometimes are doing things that was custom. Passed down to them from custom of unbelievers' life, and they kept doing it. They have to drop this thing off when they come to Christ. 
That's what we are saying. If you have been frustrated before, you just make money through those bad practices, and you think it's okay, and then you came, you give your life to Christ, you should be no more in that practice. They say, well, everybody knows that's wrong in the first place. What about if you have been doing some business, you are selling this thing, which they say it's not right. Someone say, well, is it wrong to sell cigarettes as part of the things you are selling in your, in your shop? Well, what is cigarette doing? Is it going to cause cancer to people? It's like encouraging them to, to, to do those things that are going to cause their body to be destroyed. Not, not just because it's a sin, it's, also, it's not healthy for them. So if you know, it's just like those people that are doing uh, gambling. Some people have shops where people are buying all these things they call, uh, what do you call it, where people pump two from four. It's gambling. And people are doing it, they say it's a game from Europe, and they pump, take two, three, uh, this, this win, this one, we win, that is gambling between which which, which uh, soccer team is going to win. And they gamble two out of five, and then they, if, they, if, they, if their numbers win, they make money. That is gambling, really. Is gambling a sin? Yes. Because it's a greediness, greediness that the devil is promoting in the world. So if gambling is a sin, should you be having a store where you are promoting that gambling? So if that has been your normal business, your trade, then you can give your life to Christ, you should get rid of that business and go do some better things. So those are the type of things people have to be resolved. Some people don't know about that. They give their life to Christ, they kept their business going, and they're still saying they're serving the Lord. But if that business is sin, that you are encouraging people to participate in sin, and you say you are serving, but when it's, your eyes are open to it, you stop it and get rid of it. And that is what uh, we are saying here. When Apostle Paul pointed this one out, this man perhaps repented, and then the, in the next few chapters, he said in second, second Corinthians, he said that you forgive him if he has repented and welcome him because he's going to be in sorrow that he's going to hell also. But if he is repenting, because we were all sinners before, no matter what your sin was before you came to Christ. But when you were saved, don't bring that sin and keep practicing it. That's what we are saying. Don't bring that sin and keep practicing because you do not know. Because that's a evil custom that the whole world says it's okay. It may be okay for the world, but when the Bible says it's a sin, get rid of it. When you are aware of it, get rid of it. That's really what this is all about. Those who are formerly in fornication, they are sleeping with girlfriends, boyfriends, they never marry and they're just doing all this. But, and then they give their life to Christ. When you give your life to Christ and you are born again, all things become new. You should get rid of all those fornications. Stop it. And don't participate anymore. Your old boyfriend or your old girlfriend say, well, let's have fun. You know, say, no, this is what the Bible says. You have to either come to Christ and get married or get, get rid of you. You get rid of them and you don't follow them. You don't participate. Or maybe you have been doing drug cocaine that the, even the law says it's illegal. But maybe you have been practicing it. You have been selling it because you make more money by selling it. But you know what's cooking going to do? When you are selling this, it's making them turn crazy to go and rob banks. Rob bank. Then that they are encouraging their sin also. So when you keep your life to Christ, you stop that business and say, no, I don't sell those things anymore. Because I don't want to participate in their evil deeds. Not because it's against the law of the land, but because it's causing men to go into robbery. But people, when they are addicted to cocaine, or say, oh, you want to go addicted to alcohol. They go borrow money or steal money just to keep finding that uh, sin. And that anybody that's saying that's pro encouraging them, you are participating in their sin if you are if you are selling those things. 
The same thing with alcohol wine. If you are you selling alcohol, all this uh, gogoro and all those uh, beer and so forth, and that's your business. You think you make more money by selling it. But when you know that it's turning them into drunkards, drunkenness, and when they are drunk, what do they do? They kill somebody, they rape somebody, they do some violent thing, and they are they are not controlling their life. That if you continue to sell it to them, you are participating. You are encouraging them to do something. So when you when you know about this, you repent from all those purposes or from all those trades. That's what repentance means. Turn away from it and turn your take your hand off of that type of, type of businesses. So that's what I, I'm pointing out because in this letter of Apostle Paul, when he mentioned this fornicators in the midst of the Corinthians, he said they should take him out of their midst, almost like deliver him unto Satan. It's what he said in this chapter. The letter, the man repented according to what we read in Second Corinthians, and he said that you forgiving and bringing back to Christ. That doesn't mean the man should come back and still be doing fornicators. He just he has repented, me, he has get rid of those uh, lifestyle. The same with those who are homosexuals. When you are repentant, you have given your life to Christ, you should not be homosexual anymore. Cut it off. Because those are evil are abomination before God. Verse 3 of First Corinthians chapter 5. He said, For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I have my presence concerning him that has so done this deed. And he's going to give a verdict of what he should do to the man. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, say, His spirit will be there with you guys when you gather to do this judgment. To deliver such a one unto Satan, say, Deliver the fellow unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is serious. What is saying, Deliver someone unto Satan is like saying, You would rather the man die young and go to paradise. Than to mess up the name of Christ or not, because if he claimed to say he's a believer, he has given his life to Christ, not someone that just joined your church. That's because I say, Well, if you don't like my lifestyle, get out of your church. Well, that means the man was not really born again, he was not a believer, he was just a visitor hiding as if he was born again. And there are several people in this generation right now that are like that, just following the church. So if the church said this thing is a, a bad behavior, you should, nobody should do it. And it's convicted them, they rather get out of that show and not go to that church and go to another show that is not preaching that. Well, that means they were not really believers. They were not born again. We are not talking to those people. We are talking to people that say they have given their life to God, they are on their way to heaven, and yet they are still carrying a baggage, a baggage of sin. They didn't realize it's a sinful nature, they are a sinful custom they have carried over. When the word of God comes to them and they really want heaven, you better drop that baggage and say, I repent, Lord, and God will forgive you. God will forgive you, no matter how long you have been carrying it on. God will forgive you. That's what he's saying. But if they didn't repent, he said they are going to be delivered unto Satan. If they are really changed from within, it's better they will die and suffer their punishment right here and now, and then don't go to hell. But they will die young. Who wants to die young? Because the, the blessing of God is that with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Every one of us that I believe I expect to, to live a long life at the minimum. Or not long life means as, until you are satisfied. You say, Well, it's 70 years, it's long life. Until you are satisfied, go and read the book of Psalm 91. God didn't say until you are 70. He said, With long life will I satisfy you, which means you are to be satisfied. If you are not satisfied at 70, keep living. At 80, if you are not satisfied, keep living. At 90, you are not satisfied, keep living. At 120, you are not satisfied, keep living. It is not God that's killing us. I've preached that, preached that over and over again. It is not God that's killing us. 
it is Satan. And now, if you have authority over Satan, why should Satan be able to kill you then? Also. So that's why we are being, we believe to know that we individually have authority over Satan. Satan shouldn't be dominating us and causing disease and sickness and accident and death and people die at the age of 30, 40, 50 and save their believers. It is Satan causing those things. But when we are with the Lord and we believe the, and we understand our authority in Christ, we should put Satan at arrest, under arrest. And it shouldn't just cause accident among us. It shouldn't cause sickness and disease among us. Because he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. We have to keep ourselves so that the devil doesn't touch us. That's what the Bible is saying, of course. So we have to keep ourselves. Also. But the devil should not have no right to put any disease or death upon believers. When we understand our right and we exercise that authority. That's what we are saying. So when now a person is delivered unto Satan, somebody that should have authority over Satan is delivered unto Satan because he violated the ordinance of God, like Apostle Paul is saying it. Then Satan will be happy to get the person. Satan will be happy because we are we are boss over Satan. We don't send Satan out from people against people. We try to cast Satan out of people. But if somebody that's expected to be a believer is misbehaving, like Apostle Paul is saying, that, he said he will deliver him unto Satan unless he repents. You know? If he deliver him unto Satan, Satan will be able to grab that fellow and put disease and death upon the man that perhaps is 30 year old and 40, 45 year old. And they will die young, not fulfilling the promise of God that said, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. So that's why we have to take the word of God seriously so that we are enjoying that long life because he has given that as a benefit. We shouldn't be taken away. If somebody is delivered unto Satan, the devil will be coming after the place to, to torment, to trouble, to kill, to destroy. It's a thief coming to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Because I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Christ has brought life. And so that life will be taken away from us. And that's why it's teaching us the authority that you have the right as a believer, you have the authority over Satan. But when you go and participate in what Satan is teaching to the world, then you just lose your right over Satan. You just lose your right over Satan. Because Satan now will be bold to come after you, especially when they deliver the person to Satan like that. And the Lord will not be able to defend the person because himself is the one that put himself back under Satan's dominion by doing the same thing so but if somebody is doing it and doesn't realize and then they point out just throw those things away and repent and you are you are back as a believer in christ so now apostle Paul is saying that you deliver such a one unto satan for the destruction of the flesh that his people be saved in the day of at the day of the lord verse 6 said your glorying is not good no you know that a little leaven leaven the whole lot but i say that fellow can is a leaven, an unclean thing that will be making everybody be polluted. I say, well, if that man can do it, he, this man say I can do it also. Many people are like that. Somebody told me when I was preaching to them, he said, oh, my, my priest, which means the priest in their church, smoke cigarette, that's why I smoke too. He's following the priest. Not searching the Bible, is that acceptable? Is that good thing to do? He said, become, that priest become a leaven, that's leavening the whole lump. Everybody's following the priest. They are being polluted by the soil, the priests do it. So they are doing it. So they are now taking their example from the priest in their church. So that is why it's apostolic say a little leaven, leavening the whole lump. If you think that fellow is just doing it by himself, other people will secretly hearing about him. He will go and do some other things like that too. And then they are they are all polluted on them. God will no more be in their midst. But seven say, purge out therefore the on the, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, 
What's this whole level? Sin is in the level. Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Yet, not altogether with all the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners, or with idolaters. For them must ye need to go out of the world. So he said, I wrote to you not to company, don't fellowship, don't have company with people that are fornicators or extortioners or adulterers. We are not saying that the people in the world that are already doing that, that you shouldn't even walk around them, because then you have to get out of the world so if you're not going to company with those people. But he's talking about people that are in the household of faith. We that we say we are born again, we are believers, let there be none of us that is a fornicator or adulterer or extortioner or covetous or idolater. So that's what he says that if he's if he's the people of the world then you will have to go out of the world if you are not to company with them. But now I have written unto you not to company, not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother in Christ now be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one, no, not to eat. I don't eat with them that are like this if they are claiming to be believers with us. And but they are showing this trait that they have not repented from all this. Don't, 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 don't eat with them so that they will be ashamed. So don't eat them. So for what have I to do? To judge them also that are without, do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourself that wicked person. So he's talking about in the local church, in the household of faith, believers in Christ that claim to be believers, you have been born again. If you find that somebody among you is still carrying this baggage of sin with himself or herself, doing all those fornication, adultery, then don't. Don't let them come to the army. You say, don't, don't eat with him so that you'll be ashamed. In fact, get him out of your midst if he's not really a believer. You preach the gospel. Some people think you just and say, well, the church is a, like a hospital where the sick come. Well, the sick you come to be healed, not to keep their sickness. The sick you come to be healed. That's what the hospital is. They don't want to keep people in hospital forever. And they are sick and they are just nursing them. No. You are to they come to just to be made well. That's what so if the church, the building that fellowship is what I mean by church now, not talking about being because we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is healed. The body of you have no sickness or, or you have no sin in us. The body of Christ you have no sin in us. But the fellowship where they are fellowship is what they mean by the church. When people come to come, they say they come as a as you are. You come as you are with your sin, with your ungodliness, with your iniquity. Not to stay in your sin, your burden, your iniquity, you have to be here like a hospital. You don't go to the hospital to stay there for the rest of your time, being nursed with that wound still there and being nursed with all those uh, sicknesses that you have to get well and and get and get and get uh, on your feet again. That's what hospital is. So if the fellowship gathering is to be called hospital, it is to make people well. Not to say not to keep your sickness or your sin or sickness of sin. Not to keep it in yourself and still say we are in some hospital. So remember that we gather together to make people well. And then you stand on your feet, you are well now. So that is what a congregation should be. And Apostle Paul is saying a little level in that congregation will level in the whole if they don't get rid of that level. So that is really what he was talking about. And we are going to go now into chapter 6. 
which is talking of something additional thing. Like I say, he was already so many things he has had going wrong in the midst of the Corinthians. Chapter 4, 1 to 4, he's talking about a man for Apollos, divided among division among them. Now in chapter 5, talk about the fornicator among them. Now they should undo that one. Deliver him unto Satan. That will make the man tremble. Because if the, the man does not repent, Satan will kill the man shortly before he go hold. Now in chapter 6, he's going to address something else. That we heard was going on also among them. Let's read on. There any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. I want him to go into law. Among the believers, I say, you heard that people are even suing one another in the court of law. In the public court of law, where unbelievers are the judges, unbelievers are the attorneys, unbelievers are the lawyers. And the believer have problems with another believer and they have to go and sue one another in the court. That shouldn't be among believers. In the household, where a household, you can't settle it within your own household. You can't get some of the elders to, to look at the case and settle it and you, it's okay. You have to go to court. It's almost like when a, a household have a the whole elder father and they have so many children that are all married and they couldn't get themselves together and decide the case and they have to say, this brother goes sue that brother concerning money, concerning this. What, what is, that's what he's addressing there. That we in the body of Christ, we are like a family. That if anything is going and we have to call it against one another, we should be able to settle it among ourselves. And be humble enough to accept the verdict of the, the brothers that decide the case for both of you. Or elder that, that come in and talk about it. Not say, no, I'm going to court. Before the unbelievers that don't believe your doctrine of righteousness and holiness, before the unbelievers that don't believe on Christ is your Savior, say, you now ridicule the name of Jesus. That's what he's going to address in this chapter. Say, you are doing this before the unjust, you are going to law. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? At the end of the world, we saints of God are going to judge your unbelievers. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Whatever it is that you guys are calling about. Saints of God can should be able to judge you without going to law in the court of law of, of the world. Know ye not that we, saints, shall judge angels how much more things are pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertain to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I mean, even ordinary people that are least among you should have wisdom not to judge between one another. You don't need to say elders alone can judge or pastors alone can judge. Even the young common people can judge between because the wisdom of God has given to every man. You should be able to judge between the cases. That's why even take them to judge who are the people that are even the least in the church can be the one that be help you decide the case. Verse 5, I speak to your shame. Is it so? That there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. So it's, it's ashamed of them. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you. See, it's a fault among believers when a believer takes another believer to court of law, suing them for whatever they are fighting on. Because you go to law one with another, you say there is a fault among you. Why do you not rather stick wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? I mean, Christ said that if they slap you on one cheek, turn the other also. Why don't you put that into practice? What say you suffer wrongly? 
Let God be the defender for you. Why don't you rather suffer wrong? Among, among yourself now. Because the word of Christ said that even if they slap you on one sheet, turn the other also. It's not just talking about physical slapping. It means that it's if somebody is going to take you to court of law and sue you for your coat, let him have your cloak also. Let this be a man of peace. Let him take it off. And give the judgment before God. God will take care of it. Take care of you. That is what he's referring back to when he says, Why don't you rather suffer wrong? Why don't you rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? But he says, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud one another and that your own blending. Because if two people are fighting over something, one must be right, one must run also. And so one must be defrauding the other person. Is what is causing that fight. That's why he's trying to go to court of law. So those are all the things he's saying. You are defrauding one another and you are defrauding your own brethren now in the household of faith. You are no more fearing God. That's what it means. Because God sees all these things. If you are doing it, then you are not fearing God. Verse 9. And look, that's happening in the body of Christ in this generation. We have had cases where some people brought their bad business to churches and they think they can always get brethren to tap in. Some people say, well, you should invest in this something that we are going to help you invest your money. And, and people trust them because they claim to be born-again brothers. Invest your money and you put your money in their hands and they are using your money to just enjoy life. And they invest in nothing. Until now, they have to take them to court. That type of thing going on. Even in America, we have had cases like that. We had some churches put their money in the hand of a, a brother who claims to be a businessman. He's going to help them invest this money and the church is trying to invest the money to, to, to make more profit for the, for the work of the Lord. But these people are using the money to, to enjoy their own life, investing nothing. And the church has to now be trying to sue them. That's one of the things that's going on in American churches. Then if you wonder, are they born again churches? I've heard in many, many church groups like that. So that's why it is Apostle Paul. This has been going on even in the days of the apostles, where it, it can be from a, one person to one person, or some people, because people, people will begin to trust. Because it's very easy for believers to trust believers, not so. But you are trusting somebody, suppose that somebody you are trusting that is a believer, he will the shit. He is actually not really a believer, he's only thinking of himself. Looking for how he can make more money for himself, not for you, he's not thinking of you. Then you are trusting the wrong person. And that is where many of them, that's why that person is defrauding you. That's what I'm supposed to say. And if they are really born again, they should not, they shouldn't defraud anybody, how much more the believers. Whom that you are children of God. It's like defrauding God himself. God is going to be washing. And very soon God is going to enjoy. And that's why many of these, they don't, don't live long. The enjoyment that you enjoy, the long life God promised to mankind, they will cut short because they were doing the works of the devil for him. By like defrauding one another, defrauding the believers. Or defraud, and they don't know that they are defrauding God. And God is going to enjoy them by simply deliver them unto Satan for Satan to take them out of the earth. It's not going to kill them. When they deliver them to Satan, just snap them out of the earth at the younger age without letting them live their life out. So that is a warning that he's saying there. And that is the repercussion of what normally happens. When people die young, you wonder. We may not judge them, but see, most of the time, that's what happened. The brother died of accident. He was just 29 or 30 or 35. You think God took him away. God didn't take him away. Root cause of it, Satan caused the accident. Satan took the brother, killed the brother. But that fellow that died must have been out of the out of the out of the authority of God where he should have been living right. If you are not living right and the, and the Lord removed his 
it's a progression upon you the man will be taken away just like that so that's why we are saying you got to live right for christ praise the lord we're going to continue in the next broadcast